I would like to procure the bag. I want to be a rich bitch. Penthouse store man. Money, 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 rich bitch. Hey, hey, give me that bag. Rich bitch. You're so rich. I mean, if, you know, if a man's and girl can get out of prison, you can do anything. Isn't that wild? That's crazy. I know the other one had been trying to, and, uh... Uh, what's uh, Krenwickel, uh, Patricia Krenwickel. So now it's like, oh my gosh, can you believe that? I can't even imagine. It's not even that it's scary that it's a Manson girl. It's the fact that what is she going to do? She'll do a press tour. She'll write a book. <laughs> she'll have a whole thing. You know, I'm actually kind of interested in meeting her. I'd like to be like in, in a signing and I'm like, yeah, you know who that is? And watch everybody either just like, wow, or, uh, you know, so it'd be great. Amazing. Um, so really quick, everybody who's listening, we're going to introduce uh, Ryan Winter. He's an author here with us. Uh, he writes predominantly, I believe, horror thriller kind of adjacent stuff. Um, and we're going to be talking with him this episode as we kind of get into it with your hosts, me and Madame Sarah Seeds. <laughs> Is my mind. It was for a hot second and then it went away. Oh, no, we're having technical difficulties. Please hold. <laughs> we should. Oh my gosh! And what? we're the back. First time this ever happened. <laughs> We've never had de- technical difficulties on this show never. before. Oh my gosh! It, it's definitely me. I'm telling you, the weather here—it's crazy. It's uh—it's thundering one minute, and then my computer keeps saying, "You know, full sun," and I'm like, "Where?" And then, like an hour ago, sure enough, there it was. And then there was a rainbow, and boom, here comes the storm again. I'm like, what is going on? Oh my God, on? Planet Earth yeah. is drunk. It must, there's something in the air today. I got to tell you, I feel yeah. my, ener- my energy has been off for the last two days. Today was like another kind of yesterday adjacent kind of vibe for myself. But then also on the train home, I now have this new tradition that has started over the last two weeks of me working in this office of running into my friend Tom because he works nearby my office at his. And we run into each other on the plane platform, the train platform, the plane platform. <laughs> Listen to me. This is, like this is what I'm talking about. We should, we should trademark that. <laughs> we should make a t-shirt. Plane um, platform. <laughs> a train, a plane platform. Um, and we ride the train home together because he lives up here in this neighborhood. And on in the car that we were in on the train, there was a woman speaking very firmly to a gentleman in the back of it. And then we hear this like click, 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 click. And we're like, what is that? And it keeps, we keep hearing it. And Tom turns to me and he goes, does somebody have a taser? And (laughs) sure as shit, this woman had a taser that she was like clicking off above her to get this guy to leave her alone. And I was like, if we all get electrocuted here, guys, like, that's just just not how I planned on going out today. Oh my God. (laughs) Now, here's the the thing that like trips me out here is you take a train. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, as in... uh, like an actual train to yeah, subway. Like subway man oh a subway okay okay yeah I'm from well, the south man we don't have subway okay well that was that should have been my next question why don't we have our guest introduce himself where are you yes. from what you do all the things before we go off the literal train rails here absolutely absolutely i, I don't take a, a subway unfortunately we have to walk in this disgusting heat i'm from new orleans louisiana mm. mysterious new orleans louisiana which i miss terribly i'm now in southern mississippi please get me the hell out of here oh my god oh yeah 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 everything you know is what you hear is is definitely fact um but uh no i um i'm from new orleans my dad's family they're all from there so i come from a very colorful background as far as uh story it's no surprise that i'm i'm a storyteller it's either that or a drunk or a liar or all both you know it's new orleans so you know how that goes or a fortune teller you know whatever i can do to make money and uh 
<laughs> no, I mean, my, my family, they're, they're the quintessential French Cajuns, the loud, boisterous ones you see on TV. They're definitely that. Very, very fun people. So love to tell stories, love to talk about folklore. And it's not hard. You know, it's not difficult being Louisiana has such a crazy history, you know. Folklore um, like Taylor Swift folklore. God. <laughs> Even she would blush, let me tell you. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> no, I love I love New Orleans. I I was there um on a trip and it's just such a magical weird place. Mm-hmm. Um and it's such a it's such a creative um kind of dark but mysterious place and I think it's fantastic. The food is great. Yeah. I've never, oh gosh, I've never yeah. been. Oof. Oh my god. Edward, you, I mean I come know. on. I've had a couple of people invite me for Southern Southern Decadence, which like I just oh, don't shit. think that's my vibe, although like the gayness yeah. of it all, sure maybe. Um <laughs> You know, I'm just like not I'm not like DTF in the middle of the street, you know, like well, that's 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 the thing about it. It's definitely not like a regular it's I, I would never call it pride. I mean, we actually have a separate pride festival, but uh, oh, it's definitely not pride. It's very yeah, different. No, it's, it's very it's not that Mardi Gras without clothes. I mean, it's not on. pride. It's unpride. It's unpride. <laughs> Hide your pride, man. Yeah, I've seen many wow. a photo and many a video from Southern Decadence. <laughs> Southern Decadence? Like, I've never heard of this. Yeah. So, okay, it's a, so it's a big I'll let you you're from there this, so you can this, explain this, it better than I can. I have to tell you this. Okay, so I have an interesting story when I was uh I think the first time I attended in I must have been 19. I don't know why I think cuz I couldn't drink. I knew that. Well, in New Orleans didn't matter. I mean, but I legally couldn't <laughs> drink. And uh I went with some friends and I think this one might have been my second one, but it was my friend's first. And when I tell you he's like background North Louisiana conservative, I mean, he was nervous as shit. Like it was just scary for him. And Why I'm like, did he even agree to go? It's curiosity. It always it's always that thing. It's like, oh, you know, I don't want to play with a rattlesnake, but what happens if I do? You know? Mm. It's, it's, oh my it's, <laughs> and so I um I think that um, you know, he, he was, I mean, he was super, super nervous. So and he looking around the corner. I mean, everywhere he's looking, he's looking, he's looking behind him like, what are you doing? Like, you're not like nobody's watching you. Like, you know, they're all kind of watching each other. And he said, I'm just afraid I'm going to bump into somebody I know. And I'm like, well, you know, the world is small. But, dude, I mean, there's like a hundred thousand people out here. Dad? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, wait, wait. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. So oh boy. <laughs> and so he's specifically looking for something and he wouldn't tell me. Well, sure enough, after an hour and like four shots of tequila, I finally got him to relax a little. And uh, he said, did you see what happened in that corner? I said, dude, no, I, I don't look. I don't. <laughs> no, no, man, I, I'm disease free, man. I'm not going in that corner. So, you know, he gets out there and he's finally calm and he goes outside and he starts running down the street and I had to chase after his stupid ass. And look, the sidewalks in New Orleans are nothing you want to run down, man. No. I mean, they're jagged like the Rockies. It's crazy. And so I finally stopped him and said, what is wrong with you? He said, I just saw my priest here. Oh. And that was the end. And I'm like. No, you didn't. And he goes, Oh yeah. And he was wearing those chap things. I was like, Oh, oh, oh my God. I'm like, let's go. The first, my instinct is like, let's go talk to him. Let's go talk to him. Yeah. And he is just pale as death, man. He is not going anywhere. And that was that was uh my second experience <laughs> and there. That's and that's the story and... of how he fucked his priest. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. It was it was fantastic, man. I had to follow this guy everywhere and uh, you know. So as far as what the priest did when he went up to these little upstairs spots where you go, I I don't know. 
you know. I was well, a little... you're you're selling me the idea of going to this thing. Um <laughs> Ed's already packed his bag. He's I've in. already booked a flight. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh, it's fine. It's a, if you haven't seen it, you definitely have to go. But oh, um, I've I've seen pictures of it. I'm just know. I'm super sex positive and I love being in in environments that kind of like allows for that. Because oh, I think absolutely. we're also pent up with this like weird veil of like how sex is dirty and bad and belongs behind closed doors. And like, mm-hmm. yes, there is context for that, of course. Mm-hmm. Sure. But like, you know, I think I mean not literal doors. I think I mean, you know, hyperbolic doors. Um, right. And so like, you know, any I used to go to a nudist camp where you like in Pennsylvania where you would just like run around the forest naked and like there was a pool oh, and there's a restaurant and they would bring you food and there was a campsite and wow. it was so fun. Oh, oh my I need God, to, there's like I need to get hundreds of people. Yeah, it's called the woods. It's in the Poconos. It's mm. great. It's lovely. Is it a mostly um, like gay scene, gay queer it is. scene? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, we've we've had we've had um heteronormative people come. <laughs> um, but I believe the few people that I saw there when I was going were like sex work people. Like they worked in porn, uh, the porn industry and like you know, the one guy. Oh, was they were like just straight. right at home. He was like straight, but he did gay porn, and then like he brought some women with him and whatever. So like it was cool. It was like whatever. Yeah, Tuesday for them. Like oh my gosh. <laughs> well, you know, there's yeah. there's there's this um when you go to decadence, it's funny, and they do, and same group comes from Mardi Gras. Go figure. And it's always these, you know, these guys on the loudspeakers, and they're like, you know, God saves, blah blah blah. And uh. the, here's the funny thing about that: they're walking through this crowd. And they're holding hands, and there's not one chick that's there. So why do you come during Southern Decadence? Of, I don't see you, except you know mm-hmm. Mardi Gras. And that and there's no women. So if these guys have wives or girlfriends, nowhere to be seen. And they're sort of like holding each other's hands, or they're holding each other's shoulders, and they're going through this crowd while they're chanting. And it's it's you know interesting. <laughs> God saves. His load for Southern Decadence. That reminds me of the Mermaid Parade in New York. It's different though, but um, uh, I've yeah, gone a little every less year. sexy, a little less sexy, um, but sexy, still, but not like as not like that, not like, not that. like that, not like that, not like that. Um, there's it's a family thing. Um, but anyway, um, <clears throat> it's like a it's like a quirky Brooklyn Coney Island uh parade, and women are wearing no not tops, and it's just like mermaids and magic wow. and whatever. It's really fun, and I've gone every year. Um, dressed to the nines with a great wig and all that good stuff. Uh-huh. All my group of friends go, like 14 of us every year. Um, but there's always like a couple people that are just like, you are going to hell. You will all burn every, and it's just like, why are you here? Like, yes. and you're just staring yes. at you. Go. And then, but my favorite scene is <laughs> my boyfriend, Mike talks about this thing all the time, but this very large woman started twerking on the man. <laughs> as he was screaming and getting angry and it just kept going and going and she just kept doing it until he like was like, I, I, ah, and like would just not stop. <laughs> and then <laughs> um, my friend in a sailor outfit, she grabbed his hateful flag and started to pull it down. And then he grabbed her wig and tore it off. And all oh, these, um, yeah. And we were just like, this is such entertainment. It's great. I know. And then all these majestic lesbians came out of nowhere and gave her uh, her wig back and hugged her and gave her the I thing. Love. And then the guy left. So he got twerked on, he got scared off and he took a wig, but then, you know, we all, we got him. Away. These these guys are, are pretty passive. You know, they let us take pictures with them and all. They're really oh, not. This guy was like mean and angry. Yeah. Oh yeah. See, no, yeah. You, you just can't come to New Orleans at all. Like they no, you'll... stop you at the city limits. Like, stop, man. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, we have, do y'all have the, the naked bike ride? 
Do y'all do that? We used to. Mm. I know we used to. We also have to, used to have no pants subway ride. I did day. that. Yeah. I did that too, but I don't remember. I don't think they still do it. I feel like I remember it getting canceled, obviously for the pandemic, but I don't think that they've done it since. Wow. Right. Yeah, because that's, that's definitely ongoing in, in New Orleans. And I figured it was probably um, in different I'm sure we do do it. I don't, I don't know. That's of all go- this places, is, we have This to. is Googleable. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to look it up. No, I did, um, I did the No Pants Subway Ride about five years ago. But what sucks is, like, as a woman, too, like, these creep guys will be there and they'll take photos. And then I found myself on, like, uh, a ma- in a magazine, like an online <laughs> Instagram magazine of women of New York, some creep ha- handle. And I was like, damn it. But I was like, uh, oh, she looks good, though. Uh, yeah. But she looks good, though. So then I got over it. It's fine. <laughs> okay, yeah. we we just missed it. So we do have it here. Okay. And it was June 17th. At of course, 3, it's in June. 3 p.m., of course. Oh, I mean, like, how could you do that in any other t- month of the year? Yeah. Um, but they do also have a it's world uh world naked bike ride. The one that's coming up next is Chicago. Am oh, I wrong? Nope, we missed that. That was June 24th. Never mind. But <laughs> it's it still June. it still happens. Um, and I actually didn't I wasn't hundred percent sure that we had it in New York, so that's good to know. Maybe I'll do that one year. Do it. Sanitize yeah, it, that city bike seat and just get yeah, on. Oh God! Put a plastic, <laughs> put a plastic wrap on that on that girl. Mm-mm. Thankfully, thankfully, we have you know our weather is hot pretty much all year round, so just do naked bike rides. I think it should be like a monthly thing. Yeah. You know, no, I love Christmas that. And, yeah. I'm so awful. I, I want to know, like, what what and about New Orleans? Like, what is your? I know you said your family has a German background, and it, are any is anyone else in your family like creative or in the arts or? Oddly, no. <laughs> I don't have one of those, Same. like, yeah, crazy, huh? Now, I have an aunt who's, um, this is on my dad's side. She's um, real, she was born in New Orleans, and mm. real boisterous, loves to laugh, real fun. You know, she's the one, if you wanted to come out, she's the one you go tell, because she, mm. she, oh, yeah, she's like a big teddy bear. She's everybody, great. everybody needs a cool aunt, everyone. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. And she, she's definitely that person, because um, when when I was younger, uh, her house was in front of ours where we lived. Um, it, I I grew up in this. I was born in south of New Orleans, but I grew up in New Orleans. But when we lived in in the burbs, she lived in front of us, and I would was I was able to watch horror films because she was okay with it. You know, I never told my mother. I don't think my mother ever knew. You know, but you know, I had two older cousins, and if we sat together, we could watch anything. And I remember the first movie that I can remember as a kid watching was Creep Show. You know, oh, and then I think, yeah, then it was like Amityville Horror. And then it was because she was the only one on the block that had this new thing called HBO. Oh, you know, what's Max H- now? Now Max. Oh, oh yeah, that's right, huh? Oh, that's right. <laughs> she, had the big, she had the big tan box and it had the red letters, you know, the big cable wow. box. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We're going back, man. This is like 1981-ish. Wow, I didn't even know about this. This is so exciting. So HBO used to have its own box. They had its own server. That makes sense. Home box office. Mm -hmm. That totally makes sense. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's when when cable was a thing. When you said cable, we would always be like, what cable? What's that? It's not television. You're watching movies. No commercials. What? You know, that's crazy. You know, and it was always home box office that had this and the, the big opening and all that. And I remember that. You know, we got to sit and watch all these films, all the elm streets all the jasons and <laughs> you know so i love that that that's kind of like the the feeling of um where i come from is having that sort of liberation 
to just kind of write and and listen to whatever I wanted. You know, they I never had uh, my parents were never really, you know, they were hippies. You know, they they you know they would leave me with babysitters just so they can go see you know David Bowen concert and you know Queen and all these people. Yeah, yeah. They went oh my god, my parents friends. saw Queen yeah. like four times and I hate them oh, for it. God, I'm so jealous. Thing, yeah. I know. So Haven't I'm guessing I'm guessing our parents are about the same age because very very similar like vibe is what I'm getting here. Dad, I think is um, almost seventy, and mom sixty five. So yeah, yeah. yeah my, my parents are like early mid sixties. Okay. Same. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'll be forty five in uh, three weeks. Work. Well, yeah. happy birthday! Boom! Thank Gotta you, get it. Leo. Woo, Leo, I'm a Virgo, but I should have been a Leo. That's okay. Oh, hot diggity! That's hot. right. No, my my brother's a Virgo. He's my best friend. He's my cat. Love Virgos. We're Great. good people. Me and Beyonce. But yeah, so. <laughs> Exactly. So it sounds like you had like a great outlet and you also, it seems like you always were just judging by your work and also judging by where you come from. How could you not be into like the occult or crime Mm. or paranormal or exactly? uh, I mean, how could you not like, there's something, there is something about New Orleans Ed, we have to go, we have to do a New Orleans special. We should. That'd be really fun. Um, Oh, let me, let me tour you guys, man. Come on. Tell us. yeah man look you you come down buy me drinks boom i got this done i will let you know everything i love it maybe we can do this like over christmas when it's cold and terrible we can escape to new orleans (laughs) (laughs) yeah because you know we we wear shorts sometimes it's very hard to tell for especially christmas or in december in general i mean there was one year this is so stupid my god mother nature it was uh i think one one day it was like a monday let's say and it was you know 74 75 which is normal and then it was like four days later boom it was snowing for the first time in like 10 years yeah and i'm talking like what for two days full snow never happened to me before we gotta let we gotta let that global warming girlies oh this was uh that whatever the year let's see um i'm gonna say around 2018 ish yeah because when i was i lived briefly in tennessee in middle school times and they like were panicking when like there would be a tornado coming through and just would destroy like 12 houses. And they'd be like, it's all right. But yeah, then like, it would yeah. snow for like two seconds. They're like, ah. like yeah. everybody go home. School's canceled. Ah. You oh know, God. Like, yeah. Airport. It's all everything. right. It's all and, right. And what we call snow, y'all call flurries. Y'all just laughing. Yeah. It's it, a joke. Know? Like cause <laughs> right. I was coming from Maryland, like Baltimore area. And I was like, guys, we've been in blizzards, like chill. And they're like, yeah, no, my God, look, oh my God. Oh my God. Although we haven't had a really solid blizzard here in like about like seven years, I think. I think the last one that I'm re- recalling is like February of 2016, I think. Ish, yeah. When like we got jumped on and they closed the subway down, which they never do. Yeah. But wow. de Blasio was like 2.30, we're cutting it off. And so people were like running home. De, ba- de Blasio's <laughs> wife just left him. But anyway, let's see. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's the winter. The- Winters, I mean, when it gets cold uh, in New Orleans, the thing is that the buildings are meant to keep, you know, the heat out. So there's no right. So <laughs> everyone dies of hypothermia. Oh my god, yeah, it's crazy. I've had my you know thermostat up to you know 100 degrees, and it still doesn't matter because first our you know the houses, especially where I lived in the French Quarter, they're all they all sit off the ground. So you have right. all this underneath air that just keeps circulating. Oh my god, so, you live in an ice box. That's so scary. It's crazy. But again, it again it doesn't really um freeze up. But um normally the coldest month is always around Mardi Gras. It's always February. Right. Um and of course by that time we're so blitz and shit faced, nobody cares what temperature it is. That's right. True. 
drink your way through winter. Um, so like kind of tying this back into your HBO memory, like what, what kind of got you started with writing, creative writing, whatever you want to call it? Like, was that, was that kind of like just stated because of like having access to cable and, and HBO stuff and watching horror movies with your aunt? Like, did that, what was the series of events there? It's it's uh definitely was a sort of a domino effect. It started, of course, that was the seed that was planted, you know. Um, from then on, you know, I moved over into books and I think my you know, I was at, you know, eight, nine years old. I'm telling my mom, like, I want to read all the horror greats, and she's like, No, you don't, no, you don't. And uh so she gives me this copy of I don't know if you remember the children's illustrated classics. Those little thick books. I mean, they're real, real cute, but they were black and white. But oh man, I think they still sell them today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think my mom was trying to indulge me, but trying to do it kind of like, well, if it's a one of these old classics from the 1800s, it's you know maybe that won't be so bad. So she gave me the Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde one. Uh-huh. And oh man, you know the story, but have you read the story? You know. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I think I noticed that, you know, something that you write on paper can literally just scare the shit out of you just as quick as this move, these movies I've been watching. And um, I think she inadvertently (laughs) pushed me into the pool a little bit more. Um, And then around that time I had, um, there was an assignment in, um, God, I had to, I'm going to say third grade. And we were allowed to go into groups and write these short stories and, I was a very shy kid. Uh, it's crazy. It's a yeah, no one believes me. All, none of my friends are like yeah, right. I'm like no, no, no. I didn't talk to anybody. And I had a bully on the playground, and his name was Guy. Go figure. Oh, so, yeah, a bully named Guy. Hey, Guy. So gross. And he was in my class, of course. And and I just knew she was gonna group me with that dick. So I was not, you know, I didn't want to be in a group. So I'd say, can I do it by myself? And she's like, well, okay, okay, no problem. And uh, my teacher was cool. She knew what I did. She would give me books on the slide to read because I was a huge reader. She saw it. Um, and we, uh, as poor as Louisiana's education was, I was surrounded by books. I was surrounded by books. And we would go to the library, the school's library, and then they would read to us and our teachers would read to us. Well, anyways, so, you know, I, I wrote my story and um, I, I don't know how long it took for three or four days where she gets these papers back and she tells the class and she's sending them back to the group. She said, great stories, great stories. She goes, but there's one I really want to read you guys. And guess who didn't get their story back? And I'm going, oh shit, you know, I'm going to get my ass kicked. Like, so, and uh, I'm, 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 I knew it was going to be me. And she's, oh, you know, Ryan's written this really cute story, blah, blah. And she's reading it. And I mean, through the whole thing, the, the, the class is so quiet. I'm thinking, God damn it. They're looking at me. I know they're looking at me and I'm just kind of looking down and all that. And right at the end when she finished it, they stood up and clapped. Like, yeah, it was the weirdest thing. So that was kind of like, oh, you know, kind of like that moment, like, wait a minute, you know. So um, it's recess, and I remember just standing with some friends and all that, and I saw them kind of clear out. I'm like, what the fuck, you guys? All of a sudden, here comes Guy. And I'm like, oh, this is it. Here comes the pounding men um, from a guy named Guy. And uh, he he kind of like kind of taps him on the shoulder and i see him i was like yeah and he's like he kind of looks up at me like that and he says loved your story dude and that was it and he never fucked with me again and so i wow. think that showed the power of again damn it something that i've written something that i can write and from then on that it just kind of it snowballed from there you know um going into horror now 
Um, another interesting story <laughs> that my poor mother, God, my poor mother, God bless her, I love her. Um, this whole time, she's trying to keep me away from all this shit. And once again, you know, I think I was about to turn 12. Uh, Pet Cemetery was all the rage. You remember when the oh, movie yeah. came out? Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, my God. Someone at a friend's house scared the crap out of us. I loved it. I loved it. I loved how they would kind of peek their hands and all that, which I never did. You know, I was a weird mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. So I um, I begged her. I'm like, you know, my birthday's coming up. If you know, whatever you want, blah, blah, blah. I said, where's well, a book I want? And before I can even get it out, she said, nope, I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> you're going to want one of those damn Stephen King books. And I'm like, no, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she just refused to give me this. And I was like, well, you know, so I had my another cool aunt. Like I said, I come from an awesome family. My Aunt Justine, we call Aunt Just. And Aunt Just is kind of, um, she's a fun chick, but she's a no nonsense. You know, no means no. She says, no, that's it. You don't argue with her. And she was going to take me out to dinner that night, and we went to the mall, and oh my god, I'm going to be dating myself right here for sure. But there was a B. Dalton booksellers in the mall. Oh my god, B. Dalton. <laughs> you remember B- <laughs> them and Walden books? That was the other one, but I loved Walden, B. Dalton. I loved Walden oh, books. Yeah, yes, I remember yes. Walden, for sure. They, B. Dalton, man, that, that was my haven, because I knew they had this damn book. <laughs> and so I went straight for it, you know, and I went straight for the aisle and she's following me and all that. And here it is, the paperback, which I still have, by the way, um, through everything, through Katrina, through moves, through breakups, through, oh, you name it, through mm. presidential hell, hell. So yeah, still have it. And uh, so I pick it up and I said, this, this is what I want. And she kind of looked at me and she said, really? I said, more than anything ain't just. And her response was, mm, okay. And that was nice. it. Nice. And I brought this home, and my mom was livid. <laughs> I think she even tried to hide it from me a few times. But I think from then on, that was it. I was hooked. And, of course, I read this book and carried it around like a Bible. It was the scariest thing. I had an adult horror novel in my hand. And mm-hmm. from then on, that's, you know, for Christmases, for my birthdays, I asked everybody. I'm like, this is what I want you to get me. And it was no stopping. My poor mother just kind of, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was sneaking my brother into movies like the original Chucky and things like that. So, yeah. and I used to terrify the crap out of my sister by one time I did this and it was, it was for her birthday. And she was, you know, she had some friends over for a slumber party and she's bugging the crap out of me. I'm trying to read and I'm trying to write these stories and they're screaming in the next room. So I took her, her, she had this really tall Barbie doll type thing and it had the little arms. Well, I broke all the arms off and the legs and I, Basically, I suctioned them to my face and into my chest, and I had all this nice. ketchup, and so it looked like it was popping out of my body, and I came screaming into that room, you know, and I was just kind of telling them, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's coming out, it's coming out, it's coming out, and these girls were just, I mean, that was it. They were, I was like, yeah. How old were you? Was that a my size Barbie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was one of those big ones. I had the the hand would come down; it would hang past my my chin, you know. And I had, and it kind of suctioned them. I don't know how the hell I got on there, but it was worth it. Oh my, it hurt the next day, but it was worth it. But uh, I was I was probably twelve. I love that. That's so funny. I remember when my size Barbie came out came out. I almost wanted my parents to get it for me. And now, obviously, they never would have done that. But my sister did have. <laughs> Not that we're going to go on like a whole Barbie tangent, although with the new Ken music video out now, I could go on about this. Oh, I'm so yes. excited. Um, but they had those like it was like hairstyling Barbie and it was like just the bust of Barbie, like just yes. her head. And yes. it was larger. It was like a human size head. And you could like change her hair and style it and do all the things. Yeah. And of course, me being me. 
I like cut her hair and gave her bangs and like did all the other shit. Oh my god, I made side bang now. Yeah, we destroyed my, that thing. I think by the time by the time any of us were old enough to really remember what had happened to it, it had been destroyed. Well, you know that hair is like plastic hair. You know, yeah, it's right. You're right. It's long. made out of like recycled trash bags or something. One, one time I was super left in into My Little Ponies. That was my thing. So I wasn't oh, super. Gosh, yeah. Yeah, oh I God, like to had, braid their hair and like do all their like. We weird... had one that when you squeezed its ass, it said different things, and yes. so we what? as children would run around the house and just be like, "I love you, comb my hair, I'm pretty, I love you," <laughs> and it was just like this cycle that like every time you squeezed its butt, yeah. it would say one of those. It things. was basically the Barbie horse Barbies because it like, was they horse all Barbies, were like yeah. it was like blah 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 horse and magical crystal princess horse and then doctor. <laughs> And Dr. Horse. And you know what I mean? But they were all like fabulous and you could do any, their hair was like on point. And I love it. We had had some pretty fabulous toys in the nineties, but not to, not to derail this whole conversation with Barbie, Barbie and my little. (laughs) Oh no, I I play with Barbies. Like I said, I I turned one of my sister's baby dolls into pinhead one time. That was fantastic. Oh God. Oh yeah. It was fantastic. It was great. She let me, she let me. How's your relationship with your sister now? Right. Has she completely (laughs) disowned you? Oh, she's a great gal, my sister. I love her. Um, yeah, if, if thank God she doesn't remember a lot of that stuff, and I have That's a good. memory like crazy, you know. Because you remember the Feed Me game that they had based off the Little Shop of Horrors, and it was the plant you put the marbles in, and then it Ooh, would snap. What? Oh, it's you called mean, like Feed hungry, Me. You mean like yeah. hungry, hungry yes, hippos? Yes. And it Wait, was the actual plant. You got to check this out. It's called um, Feed Me Seymour, I think, or the Feed Me Game. Little and it was Shop the... of Horrors, real? Yes. Life. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was the actual plant, the bulb, and its mouth would stay open, and you would drop these marbles in. And you had to wait because, the, of course, they would weigh it down and, what? you know, would grab it. Well, of course, I would use it to eat my sister's Barbies and stuff. You know, it was just like the movie. You know, so I thought that was Oh, my God. You've to got me. to be kidding me. I'm watching this right now. It's insane. Oh, my God. You see it? Insane. Isn't it great? It's so unhinged. Right. Well, it sounds like pure camp. It just sounds like a campy game. It does. It's there's. I'm not going to watch this whole thing, but there's like this 16 minute video of a guy like putting one back together, and now they're doing the commercial. (laughs) Oh my god! It just like snapped at your hand. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it literally just like the movie. It had the pot. It had the pot. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was fantastic. Oh my god, Sarah. Maybe we need to buy this for my pilot. Yeah. Just play it live. (laughs) No, but seriously, no. You're giving such so many ideas. But yeah. So it sounds like you had a lot of really fun experiences as a kid being yourself, which is so cool. And that. Um. And it seems like that was such an empowering moment for you at school to be like what you've written has changed people's thoughts about you. It's also made people kind of open their mind a little bit because Guy's mm-hmm. not going to come after you now. He's like, right. good job, bro, or whatever the hell kind of. They used to, all of them, all of, they, it, would, it got around, especially Dude. around high school, it got around like, oh, don't mess with him. That's Stephen King Jr. right there. He'll, he'll, oh, he'll, word. He'll, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was called that all through like seventh, eighth, which was horrible years, but thank God I had that cover because everybody knew I would probably kill them on paper. So there you they go. Like, oh, I don't want to be that. But I tell you who the real enemy was at that time was uh, in high school I uh, were the teachers. from Going from like elementary into high school, the whole attitude change. It seemed to where they were, you know, handing me books and encouraging me. Whereas in in high school, um, they were more like, "Oh, you need to stop doing that. You need to grow up. You need to stop that daydreaming." And I'm gonna tell you two good examples, and I, I, this will never leave my head. And once I get up and get that Academy Award, I'm gonna mention it real loud and proud. Um, 
I used to skip out of high school to um, go watch movies being made in the city. I had a friend of mine who owned a movie studio. It was kind of, you know, a little independent studio. And uh, this older gentleman, and I guess just took a shine to me, saw that I, you know, wanted to do this. And I would, instead of skipping out and going jerking or cutting up or whatever, I went watch productions being made. It's what I wanted to do. Mm. And <laughs> and look, I got on some interesting, I saw Aerosmith videos being made. I've seen Leon Rhymes videos. Um, um, you know, um, who else? Boys to Men. I've seen. Amazing. You know, oh, it was great. It was fantastic. And uh, so, of course, I got caught. <laughs> and my mom, she's I remember getting drugged into the principal's office and um, he looked me in the face and he said, I don't understand why you're doing that. He said, you realize that's a fantasy. That's just a thing. You know, he's like where you need to be a school. That's a real thing. But you, you know, this filmmaking thing, you need to forget about all that. That's not something you need to be concerned about at this time. And, you know, my mom, I guess, uh, you know, single mom, she, you know, she's she's dealing with a lot of shit. Um, and she I guess she kind of you know, agreed with him a little. And she said, oh, what about your studies and all that? I said, well, you don't. I think at that time, if y'all would have been a little bit more open minded, y'all would have said, well, shit, this kid, you know, we need to put this kid in some in a different direction. You know, he's obviously right. doesn't want to be in the classroom. He wants to be in the field, you know. And of course, no. And that same year, I remember trying to apply to um, UCLA. And I went to the guidance counselor there, and I could still remember his, I know his name, and I remember what he looks like. Uh, tall, skinny, creepy guy, talk real, real, real slow. And uh, yeah, I was civics teacher. Go figure, right there. Wow. And uh, yeah, and I went there, and I was applying, and you know, it's it's 11th grade or whatever, and I'm looking at colleges and all this stuff. I said, and he says, well, which one you like? And he's pulling out all these local ones. And I'm like, no, no, um, I, I, I want to go to California. And he kind of scoffed me. And I heard him do it. And I was kind of like, oh, okay. And I said, he said, well, where? I said, UCLA. And he kind of looked at me and he pulled up all this information is why he's pulling out the printer. He tells me, you know, you're never going to get into this school, you know, and Wow. <laughs> yeah yeah my guidance counselor the student counselor and he just kind of did that and he kind of just handed me the paper like that i'm like wow. thanks for the guidance yeah yeah my high school and thanks the guidance, for the yeah. counseling yeah, yeah. seriously right? wow a lot of no's at that time and of course my mom you know she single parent and and working all the time and um i don't think she really saw what was going on in any of her kids but again it's not her fault i mean we're talking about the 90s i mean there's no internet there's no you know there's no way to look and see like what can we do you know and she comes from a very basic background she didn't go to high school and things like that so i don't think she understood or saw the potential there so it was something i had to create myself you know well and that's also the best of my abilities that's also something i'm actually really excited to see from generations like after us that are that are younger than us because they did grow up with information to mm -hmm. see what is out there to see the world from yeah. the comfort of their home and understand the scope of what they're capable of doing whereas yeah. like we had a very limited version of that you you more so than we did and us less so than they do mm -hmm. and i like there's so much power in being able to see like and i mean in a sense you you did have it unfortunately you had voices that you couldn't reference on something like the internet to right. kind of combat that but you were able to see productions being made like what what is fantasy about that that those are people yeah. who are working that are that's, what crazy. Strikes me is, like, that's what's you're so watching, crazy you're watching people do the very thing that they're saying is not possible but you're watching real and it. yet like, here they are <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Southern Louisiana, it, especially around that time where my mom lived and all that, where she still lives. I mean, it's just not 
it's not a progressive area. You know, it, it's very much in this bubble, you know, and the education is extremely poor. I had a horrible high school experience. I didn't learn shit in high school, <laughs> except how to sneak out and go find my dream, you know, so it wasn't in the classroom <laughs> there. <laughs> but uh, it's it's that mentality there. You know, it's just they don't think outside of what's because I've had relatives that's never even been out of the state. And that's well, and and I scary. totally understand that. What's baffling to me is that it didn't it wasn't outside of their bubble or their box. It was literally right there, like to the yeah. point where you could go to there and see it. So it wasn't even like, you know, not thinking outside the box, not leaving the bubble, not leaving the city. They didn't you didn't have to. It was literally there. And so that's right. that's so strange to me that it's like there's something right here that is so tangible and visible. And these are hundreds of people who are paid to do this thing that you're saying you want to do. And yet it's still go back to go back to school. Cause that's the yeah. real thing. It's like, yeah, it's a real thing for another, like what year. And then I'm yeah. out like learn the same boring things you've been learning for 10 years. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, let's not I progress. That, with I had that same shit with my guidance counselor in my school. I went to a small Catholic school in Pennsylvania and it was the same crap. It was like, you're going to have to get a real job. It's like, okay. <laughs> and you're, and what's so crazy is you're still kids. And it's like, yeah. what's so odd is like, um, you know, I think when we hear about these stories and I'm also, I also grew up, I was born in a bigger town, but I grew up in very small towns um, until I came to New York city. Um, and it's kind of a similar thing where it's like, it's almost like active ignorance. Like it's like, yeah. cause like yeah. we're talking about something that's right down the road. They know, but they don't want to engage. It's almost like it's fear. It's all yeah. it's all fear based. That's, that's a even that's a good way to put it. That's a really good way to put yeah. it. Because um, I mean, I mean even, once. No, I'm sorry. I'm gonna go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, even on a more like tangible level than it's being filmed right down the street, people go home and watch television. Like you're talking about having the HBO box. Yeah. Like what how yeah. do you think that gets made? Like how do you does think that's exactly like, is that charity? Like what do you think exactly. what do you think that, that is? Like someone someone makes those things, man. Some you go to the, here's the you know, the Cineplex down the street and, and at the time in that town where I was, you had to go into New Orleans for one of the bigger places. But uh, you know, they had these little, you know, two um two screen <laughs> theaters. Yeah. And um I mean, who you go to these movies, you know, and people say, "Oh, this is a fantasy." It's fantasy. Like, there are thousands of people on just one production alone. Who? Where do you think these people come from? They're not all born in L.A. You know, it's crazy. Oh, yeah, right. My, well, my I mean, idol, Stephen King, was born in Maine. You know, he's not right. from you well, know, New York or it LA. also is like, <laughs> it's just like. You know, and and I think we talk a lot about like SAG-AFTRA and like the the strike going on at WGA and everything else right now too. But it's just like it's a business. Like this yeah. is yeah. this is like how shit gets done. And and to the point of the the strike and all the negotiations going on now, like like the number one thing that people did during the pandemic and do otherwise is get themselves entertained through streaming services Absolutely. and other like forms of internet through media consumption. Absolutely. So like, if you're not going to pay those people appropriately to do that, then like, fuck, fuck all the way off. We'll take you, <laughs> we'll take you down. But even more so on a more like analog level of what you're talking about, you got to see it firsthand, which mm -hmm. most people don't get to see especially right. in small towns. And so like, I, and I get it. I, I am, I too am from a small town, you yeah. know, like seeing a film set, seeing something like that. Of course, like everyone in the town is like, I think of like music man, when the Wells Fargo wagon comes in and everyone's <laughs> like, what's happening? What is this? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's the same kind of mentality where it's like, who are these people and what are they doing in my town? Well, I'll tell you also, something like, funny. 
Oh, go ahead. Go I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Sarah. No, you go for it, Ryan. You're you're giving the hot okay. takes. You're giving the good stuff. <laughs> so I tell you, right after, I mean, I graduated, of course, I was 18. Um, right when I was leaving that town and going, moving directly into the, in, uh, the French Quarter, like directly into the middle of the city, there was a production that came to my mom's town, uh, which was Crazy in Alabama with uh, uh, Melanie Reese? Griffith and Antonio Banderas. And sure Wait. enough, they came to oh, their town. Oh, that's Sweet Home Alabama. Never mind. I was like, Reese oh, yeah. no, 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 different no, no, movie. No, no, Never yeah. mind. <laughs> Crazy in Alabama by uh, the book by Mark Childress. It's, it's oh no. my gosh. Yeah, it was great. You know, I um, sure enough, I see my guy from um, New Orleans. You know, he's there. Of course, he's there. You know, he's 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 been running this little mini studio. So of course, I'm sure he hired a bunch of people. So we go there in the town square, and sure enough, he sees me. He's Ryan, 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 come over here, come over here. He gives me his pass, and I go walk on there, and I'm sitting around, and um, I remember standing around, just kind of looking nonchalant, because I know, you know, I'm not gonna sit down. Oh my god, you know, um, I'm not starstruck. I don't really care. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just want to see the mechanics of how it worked. Yeah. And sure enough, I'm st- I'm standing behind of all people, Antonio Banderas, because he was the director, um, and he's up there with the monitors, and I'm watching over him. The first, I think this is the first time I actually noticed how celebrities, you know, they always say how small they are or how tall they are and he was he was my size i'm like all right all right we're on the right page here we're both the same size um he's dressed down you know yeah a real good looking guy i mean really really nice and they're teaching him how to eat crawfish which is a big thing where i'm from and he said oh yeah oh yeah i suck the heads too i do that and he's teasing them you know Antonio, <laughs> you know how to make the crawfish oh yeah i know how to eat the crawfish it was so cute and of course melanie griffith walks by and she's um asking questions and it was kind of cool but my favorite part of that day um, there was a lady sitting in a chair kind of off to the side, and they were all taking a break, and she's looking at this book with um, recipes and wine and all that stuff. And she kind of looked at me, and I'm looking over. I said, oh, that's the, you know this wine, that wine, because when I was a kid, I used to make wine. Yeah, go figure. Whoa. Yes, yes, I did. I said, My father taught me how to make wine when I was 12, um, and I've been doing it ever since. And I had a small winery in my closet, which my mother, you know, she walked in there because, I mean, you can't miss that smell. So, of course, she said, what the hell is going on in this room? And so I got busted with that. I had about 17 different little um, wow. ice cream, yeah, 17 little ice cream buckets, and they were all fermenting, you know, the juice and all that. And, of course, she tried to derail that and telling me that, oh, you're poisoning all your friends because I was selling it to the neighborhood kids. I mean, Oh, my God. God. You know? Yeah, of course. What you know, was and the I was... vintage? What was the name of your wine? Like, I want to Oh, know. I have a list. I'd have to d- drag it out. But there was a one. It was an orange wine that I made, and I called it the Godfather because it burned. Oh, yeah, it was strong. And uh, <laughs> like an that. idiot, I didn't take the peelings off. But uh, D- yeah, Was it, it like brandy-based or was it like – it's. If if you I would use the big ice cream buckets and you would put the fruit with the water plus the yeast and the sugar. You had to put okay. a certain amount of yeast and it would ferment within a week. Um there was one that was really great that I made out of blueberries and it was like a champagne. And the only reason why I know that is because it exploded. So I had it Ooh. in yeah, I took it out earlier than what it should. It was I think I took it out on the fifth day. And I put it in a Crown Royal bottle. You're supposed to wait till the seventh day, according to. The oh movie. yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it must. And I stuck it in this little thin bottle, and I put it in the ice chest that I had it, and I was high. And all of a sudden, I can remember hearing. And I mean, all this. Thank God it was an ice chest. All this glass would have went everywhere, and I'm thinking, man, it carbonated. I'm like, fuck yeah, champagne right there, blueberry champagne. I did it. I you love know? that. Oh, I love that your your, your mind though. was like. 
I have a solution. <laughs> it's champagne. It I was guess. great. And I still have the log from back in, um, God, this has been 93, 94. And I still have the log. I'm still stuck on blueberry champagne. I want to try this. This sounds yeah, very So when we come easy. to New Orleans. <laughs> I, I will let you know. I We will. I, you and it better be in an blue. ice cream blue You will come blue to the Ryan Winter class of, of fermenting. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So getting back to my original. No, I, I because I knew all this from wine and I had studied it because I, you know, I took French in, in high school and my mom's side, they're all my great parents, my great grandparents, they're from France. So I knew, oh. you know, the culture and all that. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I studied it in high school for fun and because I knew it already. And, you know, I learned, learned oenology, which is the study of wine and things like that. Yeah, 13 years old. Anywho, I, I remember standing over this lady and um, she said, what would you pair this with? And I think it was like a pork roast. I said, oh, you know what? This, 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 this. front." And she looked at me like this little 19-year-old talking about French wine and pairing it with her. She said, really? She goes, I would have never thought that. And, she, you know, I said, oh, and look at this, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, and we're talking. She said, are you on the crew? I said, not really. <laughs> I said, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of a student, you know. And she said, okay. I said, she said, what do you do? I said, well, I, um, I want to be a screenwriter more than anything. And I want to be a writer, but definitely would like to be a screenwriter. She said, well, you can send some things to our company. And I'm thinking, who are you? Who is this lady? Come to find out. I'm walking away and she's shaking her hands and I introduced myself and she says, oh, oh, I'm Deborah Hill. And I'm like, Deborah Hill, that's the producer of Halloween. That's John Carpenter's ex-wife. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, what? You're telling me this now as we're walking away? Like, I have so many questions. I love John Carpenter, one of my favorite people. <laughs> yeah, that's so oh cool. God, yeah. She produced the Halloween films and wrote them with him. They were married at the time. Um, she's a huge producer. She's the Dead Zone. I mean, she did all these movies. Clue, you know? Wow. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Deborah Hills, you know, she's been in the business a long time. Um, sadly, I heard... Um, uh, a couple years later, she had died from um, cancer or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was very privileged and to, to see that I still have letterhead with her name on it because it was Deborah Hill Productions. I'm like, you know, so I got to sit there and I didn't talk about movies. I talked about wine pairings with Deborah Hill. So that's yeah. actually really cool because not that's a lot of people cool say story. that. I'm sure a lot of people spoke yeah. about film, but you mm. spoke to her about wine. Because well, you know what you're doing in that closet. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. but, oh, but yeah. it's it's also like, you know, I'm the, all these people are so tired of being talked to, talked at about these things. You know, yeah. like I'm yeah. sure she was like thrilled to talk to someone about something <laughs> that was not the project that they were working on or tell me about the industry or like, what do I need to <laughs> yeah, do to exactly. break into the industry? Like, exactly. shut up. <laughs> yes, yeah, talk exactly. to me about wine. <laughs> Now, not to say I didn't send it because I did. I did send to um two screenplays. Oh, you got to take the time. take the end, right? Honey. Take the end. Like, oh like... gosh, yeah. And and sure enough, she wrote me back. She said very interesting. She said it's not first, but she said I see something here. She said keep going. I hope that's in a frame somewhere. I do. I have it. Good. Um, I really quick want to transition over to your books and the life of them moving forward so yeah. you know we're we're looking at two different novels that you have you can mm -hmm. kind of pick whichever one you want to start with first which is the new one which i believe is wake the devil and then is. ravish is your previous one yes yes uh wake the devil actually started around 2004 i was living uh right in the middle of the french quarter and at that time i was really i mean i was really uh, i guess because i was in Young 20, so I was starting to really understand what New Orleans was, the history. It wasn't just going down bourbon and seeing titties and catching beads and all that, what people think, and it's really not. It, that pisses me off more than anything. 
Um, but I started really understanding the history and meeting a lot of writers and people there. And it's so much different from where my mom was, because now being in the center of it all, you're meeting all these, you know, eccentric people, these artists and painters and musicians and all that. So I got to go and do all that. And at that time, I was looking for something to write about, and I came across um, the idea of the Axeman murders of 1918 New Orleans. And, you know, Ooh. I talked to a lot of people from this area, you know, that were older than me that was like, do you have you, rem you know, anybody said it? Not that I expect them to be around in 1918, but no one ever mentioned this. And I every time I would talk about it, they're like, oh, I never heard of the Axeman. I'm like, serious. And it was always a footnote in um, – and these guides and like haunted history, New Orleans, and he would be kind of like this one chapter. So it's like, man, I need to write about this guy. And there's a beautiful center right in the middle of the French Quarter. I encourage anybody to go that wants to learn history. It's called the Williams Research Center on Charter Street. And it was this big, like, kind of stone brick building. And it looks like an old precinct, you know, back in the 50s. And I think that's what it was. Uh, beautiful building, had the old, you know, the marble floor and the big windows, gorgeous, gorgeous building. And I started um, pulling microfish of all the dates that were in that. I was well, everything was wrong in these other books. So I was finding out what was the right dates and the misspellings and all that. I said, oh, I got to do this. And it was meant to be a, a script, and it just kept growing the more I, I, I learned about it. And so basically, um, here you have this incident in 1918 where these Italian – it started off with Italian grocers. They were being savagely, I mean, just, I mean, just completely like, I mean, just, I mean, slashed and, and butchered in their sleep. Um, wow. And it's, nobody knew why, you know, they, it had the weirdest um, elements to it where he would chisel out the back panel of a door and slip through. And nobody can figure out how because no full man can fit through one of those. You know, and he certainly wasn't reaching up for the key. If there was no key in there, there's nothing you can do. So how was he doing this? He always did it with the person, the victim's own axe. And he uh, he left nothing behind, no, nothing. Of course, fingerprinting, all that was in its infancy. But everything was by instinct, what these guys were doing. And, you know, it happened one night and it scared – I mean it, it, it frightened people that were in the mob. We're coming to the police for protection, saying, I don't know who the hell this guy is, but you need to keep him off. You know, he Ooh. has nothing to do with any of us. And I thought that was intriguing. So there were several. And then it moved on to another grocer, and it happened the same way. And then it happened to another. So it's all, all of a sudden it became random people. And they could not catch this guy. And the city was just, I mean, just in fear of sure. what was happening because nobody knew, you know. And so there was what I – the reason how I got on the project, why I wanted to – is I read a report where they were asking some of the policemen, who do you think it is? And some of them were embarrassed at the time to say, we don't think it's a man at all. You mm -hmm. know, they were thinking it was something supernatural. And that's when I, I get goosebumps even thinking about it. So because, one, he was never caught. They have no clue. There's plenty of suspects, just kind of like Jack the Ripper. They don't know, you know, and there's no – there's not even a close to a theory of what who this guy was or what he wanted because they didn't know you know he just kind of randomly you know slaughtered these people with axes and all that and it's um i found out later it was kind of an ongoing case um there was actually some incidences 10 years earlier and then it stopped so what is this you know i mean it's it's very intriguing so you know that's when i got on and uh, again it's one last murder i think um generally they believe it's probably about eight different incidences 
Mm-hmm. You know, although there were sightings like crazy, everybody was seeing Axeman in their freaking coffee. <laughs> you know, he was everywhere. Right. And there was a couple of cool things that I liked about it. There was um, he wrote letter a letter to the police one day, sent it to the well to the newspaper there in New Orleans, um, the Times Picayune, and he wrote this huge letter and said where he was from, which was Tataris, and you know it's hot, and he loved you know, sultry, you know, air. That's why he loved New Orleans. That's why he was here. And he was very fond of jazz music. So he says, I propose next week on um, Tuesday night, specifically, he said, if everyone in town is playing jazz music, I will spare the city a victim. So the whole city is playing (laughs) jazz music. The sales for instruments went up. People were hiring, you know, all these bands. So everywhere you went, there was music blazing. And there was a gentleman, um, uh, this musician, John Davila, uh, he had uh, he had orchestrated this song, this very ragtimey, very pretty song. <laughs> it's definitely not nothing creepy. And it was called The Axeman's Jazz. And he wrote this for that special occasion. Of course they would in, in New Orleans. And people were living. That's you so know, bad. Some, some people were like, yeah, that's cool. And some people were like, that's disgusting. You're writing this tune for this murderer. You know, but he did it. And it sold like crazy, you know, for like, I think it was like five cents a copy, 25 cents a copy or something like that. And he went around the French Quarter that night in a carriage and played this on a piano all night. And I just can't get that in. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. That's wild. And so there's also another incident. I think it was that same night and in my book it's that way um where there was a fraternity um Tulane which of course is a big big you know uh school there in, in New Orleans one of our top ones yeah one of our top ones and yeah. uh there there was a frat from Tulane that invited him to come to a stag party that they were going to say hey look you know we won't you know we'll leave the doors open all the windows don't chisel nothing don't break nothing down we'll leave everything open and you can come to our party and now whether he did or not is another story because nobody knew what he looked like but you know that's again you that you can look up the advertisement <laughs> where they actually invited this idiot so just crazy stuff like that and so I wanted to make a historical um fiction kind of wraparound story there's some fictional characters that kind of take you through it but all the incidences all the murders all the articles that's in there it's all there it's all what really happened yeah i'm I'm googling this now and the cover of the sheet music it's called the mysterious axeman's jazz don't Don't scare me papa don't scare me papa don't scare me oh yeah it was crazy there was a um i didn't know that the grocery store which i've never actually been to one um I, i don't ever recall seeing one uh in this area but the piggly wigglies oh my um, god i've been to a piggly wiggly I, <laughs> yeah. I was in tennessee y'all of course that's I, I was gonna say i think it's in the other southern states i don't think it's where i am but uh oh yeah it's <laughs> they, that. even they were like in on it they were like you know oh we'll slash the prices just like the yeah, oh my god oh yeah yeah oh my it, god, was, it was ridiculous funny. oh yeah Oh, yeah. I found that out later, too. I was like, oh, I got to put this Leave in it to humans to capitalize <laughs> on, like, serial murderers. murderers. But also, <laughs> like, what an interesting survival technique to mentally get through it. They're like, fuck, you know what? Like, here's a song for you, boo-boo. Let's have right. that jazz. Slash and let's, let's slash some prices of our meat. Like, let's do it. Exactly. <laughs> let's exactly. do it. And that's very New Orleans of them, too, because I've noticed, like, I went to the Voodoo Museum in New Orleans, and I just love that museum. Yeah. And um, just the the obsession with like, yes, and do you know this person was kind of like, wow, you guys are <laughs> in, and I like love it. 
They yeah. love their history. Yeah. It's a city that's in love with itself. And I try to make the city mm, yeah. a character in the book because I even, in fact, when I write yes. it, I write the city, capital C, you know, because <gasps> it is one of the characters. Oh, my God, you know? Ryan, I did that in my book, too. Every time I talk, oh, to, every time I talk about the city, the city is capitalized. Yeah, it, oh, it's very it's, sex it's, in the city of you guys. Yeah. I know. That's, I, that's why I did it. Yeah. <laughs> I did it because well, I'm Carrie Bradshaw. These are, you are. No, these are very, like, two locations that are very, um, have a personality which I really oh love. God, yeah. And I think that's why I love New Orleans so much because I've lived in New York now for so long, most of my life now, um, mm -hmm. well, the biggest chunk. And um, to go to New Orleans and feel that very genuine vibe of it's Gosh, like, it's, yeah. it's such yeah. a, you like feel it in the crowd. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. Well, the, the playwright, Tennessee Williams, you know, he has a famous quote where he says, there are three distinctive cities in the United States, in America. He said, there's New York, there's San Francisco and New Orleans. Everywhere else is Cleveland. And I love that. <laughs> <It's cool. laughs> hot take. I think, uh, right, I, think, right? I think LA and Chicago might have something to say about yeah, that. But, <laughs> but you know, interestingly, I think I would add Miami to that list. I think Miami's a very distinctive city. It's very, yeah. very different. I would so. yeah, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Miami. I think in, in my experience, and that's all I can speak to, Miami's like kind of not until it's redneck night, LA until nighttime. I know. <laughs> like once nighttime hits, then it's like nightlife. Get yourself a frozen cocktail and then you're in. But yeah. right, but it's like it's, Miami's kind of boring until the sun goes down, you know. Whereas like in all these other cities that we're talking about, there's stuff to do constantly in the morning, in and, the afternoon, and, yeah. yeah, and the architecture. Time. And it's it's they're all oh. cities of neighborhoods. When you think about it, they all. I always thought New Orleans was like the um the older sister to San Francisco because it's a city of neighborhoods. It's affected by its geography. You know, it's it's distinctive in its architecture things like i always thought they were you know new orleans was the little dirty sister that's like come on have a beer you know <laughs> yeah. if yeah, new orleans was a woman she'd be auntie nola honey and had you know her negligee standing on the balcony smoking a cigarette cognac Ugh. in the other hand what are you that's doing Nolan? <laughs> i love it yeah. Oh I get to why, like, because I was into the Anne Rice novels when I was younger, and I read all of them covered. Yeah, yeah. Okay, work. I was going to ask you about that. I didn't want to take from your, because your story sounds fantastic, but I just wanted to say, <laughs> I'm feeling, like, tastes of, like, I love how she integrates, like, you're doing history mm -hmm. with, um, you know, more drama and more, you know, just, like, kind of making it your own while also um, investing in these characters in these mm -hmm. historical places and it's incidents. It's a yeah. big part of where where we are here in the South and especially New Orleans. I'm, I'm just going to say New Orleans because some of the other states uh, <laughs> I've been and lived in. But uh, <laughs> but Ooh. New Orleans especially, it's attached to its history and we relish it and we love it. You know, yeah. there's a lot of places like, oh, I don't I don't know about my city, but but we do. We keep, you know, emblems. I don't know if you can see there is a bub right there. Oh, yeah. That is oh, cool. um, the cover of a sewer main. That the, I'm sorry, not the sewer. I'm sorry, the water mains in New Orleans because they're decorative. Oh, and cool. Yeah, they, they are. Have, yeah, they have the crescent moon with the stars on them. They're specially made. And when people steal them, they do. So we they put them on <laughs> earrings. They they give you fake ones. They Like that one's a cover of one. It's, um, And they replace them with these ugly ones that just say water. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, so once they're gone, they're gone. So oh. please don't rip them up, please, y'all. Like, <laughs> New Orleans is struggling as it, you know, as it is. So please don't <laughs> rip the water. Stop taking her caps, off. all y'all. <laughs> please, oh my gosh, though. Yeah. Oh my god, I love it. I mean, this that kind of already lends itself to being like a pretty great feature. Oh like, yeah. Easy. Yeah. 
Um, but for time, I would love to move on to Ravish. Talk to us uh, about Ravish. Yeah, I want to hear about her. Now, this is an interesting thing. Um, I rarely dream my ideas are always inspired by something I see in the news and things like that. The world's a sick place. We know this. I love it. Um, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the time, I, before Ravish was done, I left New Orleans, I'm going to say about 2017, came out of a horrible relationship. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it was a good one that ended bad. Let's just say that. Um, had to leave the city. The rents were flying up because of a lot of New Yorkers moving in. And the rents went from Sorry. like, you know, 1700 to like 3000 I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's cool. I met a lot of cool New Yorkers. But, uh, you know, they... <laughs> Like they ruined my life, but leaving the <laughs> leaving the the prices and the stress of New Orleans, and it comes to New Orleans, of course. I'm like, oh, you know, New Orleans, like, eh. but um, so I had to leave, and this was a little bit of serendipity, I guess, in a way, because um, I moved uh, to a friend south of the city. Um, my mom, uh, I wasn't even there, I think maybe a year, and my mom got breast cancer, oh. and so she really needed my help so this couldn't have worked out any better and she went from stage one to stage four i mean almost overnight um and my mom had exactly that it's it's i was with her for the last four years you know of those those next four years just every day going through the emotions with her and all that and she lived she lives with my grandmother and my grandmother 80 something years old when i got there and this woman drove a car she went to work you know, tough, tough cookie. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it was like, God, um, within, I think, six months, I moved in with them to take care of her. She lost her eyesight. She lost her hearing. She fell down. And I'm like, so, of course, my grandmother, all of a sudden, her life is just completely different. We had to sell her car and go through that. And, mm-hmm. you know, and my grandmother, she's not an easy person. She's not the sweet granny <laughs> type, you know. She's an old so, southern broad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's she's um, what the fuck are you she's doing? A battle axe, yeah. a if battle axe. You, oh yeah, I, call I love a battle. I call it the gremlin, but it's cool, you know. <laughs> but oh yeah, she's a gremlin. Oh, she's oh, she gets my nerves. But I love my grandmother. And like I said, they're all colorful in their in their own way. But anywho, I was um that at some point i was sleeping really bad of course i was having nightmares out the yahoo and uh i remember one particular night i just could not sleep could not sleep finally went to sleep um real stressed out and i'm feeling lonely at this time because i had i've been in this uh is back in this little small town and I've, it's been like two three years and i'm missing new orleans like crazy you know i can't really go anywhere because i can't leave these two um because new orleans is only like 40 minutes away but i just, mm. still couldn't do it and so I remember dreaming I was in this bed, like almost like the old hospital beds with the rod iron, you know, and uh, I remember being kind of I felt like I was pinned down. I remember trying to get up and my hands were out almost like across and I was stuck. And I looked toward the left. and I remember seeing this door slowly open, of course. And I'm like, oh, God, what is that? What is that? And when I shifted my eyes to the front of the bed, somebody was standing right there. And I couldn't really see except his eyes, and they were purple. And I remember this bleary blue, just this bright, bright purple. And I remember just being scared to death. And I kept saying, who are you? Who are you? What do you want? And all I kept hearing was he was kind of giggling. Just I can still hear it going <laughs> like he was mocking me. And so after a while, I said, what do you want? And he says, don't you love my eyes? And I'm like, no, hell no. You scared the shit out of me, you know? <laughs> And he says, he said, they're green like yours. I'm like, no, they're not. Yours are purple. They're bright, bright purple. And um, he kind of just 
kind of went around the side of the bed. By that time, I had woke up. I didn't think about it too much. About about a week later, sure enough, I call him the purple-eyed stranger. He came back. I was in the same damn bed. And the room was a little different, though. And he, sure enough, he was standing at the front of my bed again. And I said, who the hell are you? And I thought he said, Calix. That's how I can remember it. He might have said something else. So I wrote the name down, C-A-L-I-X. And I said, what do you want? And he kind of just did like that. He kind of pointed at me. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And I went to get up. And I can't. Well, he stands up, and he's floating literally toward me. And I remember this really interesting sexual component. Like, and, you know, it was like this weird, yeah, like I was scared, but I was like, he's going he's gonna to bang me, man. Like I could see him coming at me. Yeah. And he's going <laughs> to, you know, and I, the first thing I thought was like, are you an incubus? You've got to be an incubus. This got to be what it is. Yeah. And he's literally eye to eye with me and he's floating and I could feel him fondling me. I could feel him. I could feel his fingers touching up my leg and, you know, coming up. And. And I, I could feel it like, oh, my God. And, you know, it's like, wow, that's really great. And when I went to look up again, he went, ah, he just kind of jumped at me, and it looked demonic, and I woke up. And so I had wrote it down. I was like, ooh, the shit, Calyx, Incubus, gay Incubus. And I'm looking Earth. through all these, you know. Yeah, it was crazy. So I love I the idea through, of a gay Incubus. Yeah, he's just like. Well, see, that's that's the thing. Uh, see, you know, the, the, you have a succubus, which yep. you know is the one that the women demons that Female. rape the men and and right. incubus, and they and, and so, they have her in everything. They have to like expo- it's always exploitive at some point. It's like, all right, yeah, it's a succubus. We get it. It's yeah, yeah, fun. exactly. Want to see want to see a topless feet? You know, a titties on screen. Yeah, get it, yeah get it. exactly. So, so you I'm know, interested in this incubus, Bibos. Okay, all right. So he's so you know I said, well, I gotta you know, there's no, I'm not gonna call him a gay incubus because that's just boring, you know. And <laughs> a gay incubus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like you know, let's, let's, so I had to made up. I made up a new word, and I'm looking through some Latin words for men, which you know, may men, male, virum, viral, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so, for some reason, it just culminated into the word virilium. And so that's his species. That's what Calix is. He's a virilium. He's a gay incubus. Wow. And he, his origin story is that he, not no spoilers here, but he was a human. Who was, you know, turned into this particular race of of spe- um, demons this, um, with specific goals and all that. So basically, the way he lives, um, and this all started in ancient Mesopotamia in 580 BC. Um, he's originally what would be Croatia today. It was called Illyria then. So he's an Illyrian. Um, mm. Comes to and it it starts off that way and explains <laughs> what happens. Then he go then we go into present day New Orleans. That's the meat of the story, but he basically. The way he survives is he has to fuck you to death to live. Work. So the young, you know, the more virile the guy, you know, especially in the twenties and thirties, that's his target. And once he fixes his eyes to you, oh, you're you're screwed in 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 every way. You know. <laughs> that's so. That's he, kind uh, of hot. I'm gonna yeah. fuck oh, you. I'm gonna fuck you to death. <laughs> and let me tell you how many people I have explained this to, and it's so funny. As many guys I've told this to, I said basically he gives you the orgasm of your life right before you die, but you don't realize you're dying. But he he basically sucks that out of you, ah. and everybody I tell that to goes, "Oh, God. I'm like, no, uh, you're dying, you idiot." <laughs> well, <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, in French, the little death is the that's orgasm. right, le petit mort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so that's very interesting to me. And also, like, you know, there's so again, there's so many movies about like um women who bang men to death right there's like mm-hmm. especially in the 80s that was like a surge in yeah, yeah, genre yeah. like whether it was madonna <laughs> exactly. or what's her face like yeah. they're just like you know 
So it's um, interesting to hear. I love, I think this is very fascinating. I think this is actually really interesting, especially on a horror spectrum. Like this, there's so many possibilities and, here. You know, I try to make it, it's it's meant to, and it's it's definitely influenced by um, kind of like Anne Rice, what she did. Again, she didn't make them in a lot of these mythologies. She does, she gives them a mythology, which I love. Which oh, was I love that. Definitely, you know, it's definitely that because there's also going to be two more books that's going to go back in time and explain everything that goes Oh, on. I love this. Yes. Oh, it's going to be fantastic because there's uh, not to give away something, but he's looking for someone. And so the books go backwards in time. So the next one's going to take place in 1969, New York City. And mm. get ready, folks. We're to oh, get ready. Yeah, you're going to need lots and lots of tissue. So. <laughs> As much as it's erotic, it's it's there is issue like I'm gonna cry or tissue. I think I know what he means. Oh yeah, yeah. Come on now, come on now. (laughs) You know what he means. (laughs) This is the Christian Coalition. Come on now. Yeah, come on. Oh, thank God. uh, (laughs) But no, it's it's that and the the story itself in the first book evolves around him preying upon a circle of friends, but he falls in love with one of these guys, and shit just goes to hell because that's just against their coda. They they can't fall in love. That's what ultimately destroys them. So and of course there's a lot of secrets and a lot of twists and turns that happen because this boy ain't what he seems and some other great stuff. But I ain't gonna spoil it for you, but it's definitely worth the read. And where um, can people find these books and where can they find you? It's definitely of- um you definitely can find it on Amazon because I self-published them both. Um, great. they both went through the ringer with traditional publishers, but um everybody wants to cut this and cut that. I'm like, no, 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 no. They want it to turn it into something else. And I'm like, no, we're not gonna do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I self-published it. Um, definitely can find it on Amazon. I don't have a website yet just because I'm still working on it, it's still being cleaned up. But right now, my uh Facebook fan page, which is Ryan Winter fan page, mm-hmm. I prefer that because I can talk to everybody better. I I I love to interact with people just kind of on a you know, what they're reading, what they're doing, and I post a lot of my stuff there. It's just user-friendly for me. Um, I yeah. do have an Instagram as well that I post on, which is uh, Ryan Winter, um, author Ryan Winter. I'm sorry, um, but yeah, that, that the the page is coming. But um, I really like working that way because I like to talk with people, you know. Sure. So, so you had mentioned you have a show bible for Ravish. Like, what is what is kind of like ah. the next step for for that project? Are you going to be doing that also with the other book, or is Ravish kind of the mm-hmm. focus? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had um, a meeting with a producer a few years ago, about probably about two years now, and there was some interest um, in uh, in in with him and all that. And he said, "I really love this idea." He said, "This is so unique. I mean, I could see this as a series." And I'm like, "I, I would have never thought that." I'm like, "Well, you sure? You think there's enough material?" He said, "Well, you have two more books coming." He said, "Man, you can really do this." He said, "I would encourage you to study how to do a TV Bible." He said, "I won't do it." I said, "I want you to do it." Yeah. Oh, okay. So I learned how to do it. Of course. I mean, I've, I've been writing screenplays, all, you know, for years and years, working in in um, projects in New Orleans and stuff. And um, so that's set. You know, there there is some interest for, it. and there I've written the first three episodes, including the TV Bible. Wow. And now there's also some, and I don't want to say who they are, but there's two or three different, you know, independent studios that are looking at uh, Wake the Devil. I've already written a screenplay and already turned one in. So. There right. is some buzz about it. So and which is funny because Wake the Devil is like four times bigger than Ravish. So that's the one everybody wants to be a movie, which to me I would prefer it to be a series because there's just so many characters. There's so yeah. many different things that yeah. And then see, and and Wake the Devil has this huge um um present day wraparound story, which I had to completely cut out for the screenplay. I just couldn't fit this into a two-hour frame. Um so either way, 
you know, but they're definitely there's definitely material ready. So if there's someone out there that would like to be involved, yes, um, everything is available. That's fabulous because I think too, like, you know, you know, I don't know if you know our background, but you know, I've created some series and gotten them on Amazon and stuff like that. And I've also, uh, you know, Ed, Ed's writing, wrote a novel and he's kind of transcribing that into like a pilot and everything. And um, yeah, we both are creators. Um, but it's really exciting to hear that you're open to, and I think this is something that a lot of people need to understand. And it's part of being how to be a rich bitch is to understand that it could go in different places as long as it keeps mm-hmm. to your, to your uh, passion and it's honest to you That's and it. it's, it's yours thing. Um, it could be a, it could be a series. It could be a film. And there is something really freeing about a series where like you can follow all these uh, path lines and characters and their background stories. And you have the time to explore those and have a payoff at the end, you know, especially with ravish because there's some pretty intense shit that I don't think I'm going to get away with in theaters. And plus, right. you know, this, this uh, particular producer, he's, um, he's out of New York. Uh, he's, uh, he's really good at finding books to turn into properties. I don't know how the hell he found mine, but, uh, amazing. It's, yeah. And he, um, he said, look, this, this, this gotta be a series. I've never seen anything like this. I've never heard anything like this. Um, he said, I would send this to Netflix, Ryan Murphy, whoever you can, man. And, um, um, where was I going with that? Oh, so, uh, he said, look, I would kind of hold off on the second book because let's see if we can right. get this sold, yeah, you know, cause the, the second book is already in the can per se, as far as like, what's going to happen. Now the third book, I'm waiting to see what's going to happen as far as and I that have could it, be, I that could be season book. three, right? Like each book. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's exactly. fantastic. The yeah. first book will definitely cover, um, season one, although I have expanded that the Bible what new characters thing like so i can't stretch it right now it's set at 10 episodes but Perfect. it can be stretched yeah you know, they're they're uh 10 uh one hour episodes and like i said i've already written the first three so because and he was this particular guy who's very very encouraging he's very very nice um but he was off working on other projects so it kind of just stalled a little but i'm hopeful yeah you know, that's fantastic <laughs> because i've got three more books coming so get ready folks get that's ready great. Love well, thank you <laughs> wow such yeah. a great conversation yeah. we had. I, I love know. all of this. I'm so curious to see which direction this goes in because like obviously like obviously like a feature is different than a series. I'm always going to be partial to TV because you can do so much more with it, but I'm so curious to see how that shakes out and like and how close to the book it'll it'll end up staying and like I hope. all of, all of these well, of course of course but like you know at some point like sometimes you have to like kill your babies as they say of and, like, and you know like red pen it but I I love watching these things kind of unfold and and see where they end up yeah it's what I, it's what I've always wanted you know and it's it's something uh you know I worked in film I I have a, a writing partner back in New Orleans I I'm still in touch with and we created a series uh, um sort of like a before Black Mirror was Black Mirror, we had already something already done um, that wound up. We did a short um, version of our pilot, and they had the big shorts festival in New Orleans, and we won the top prize. Wow. And New Line Cinema and all these people were there, but nothing came of it. Like they never, nothing. We never got a call back, and we was like, wait, what? That was the deal, you know. And you know, but it. And we had written, um, I think, twelve different episodes for the first season. Maybe you know, it would work now because a lot of times it's timing, you know, like there's yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, had, yeah. There's a lot of things I've had meetings for, like even five years ago, and they're like, that's way too left of center and crazy. And now they're like, oh shit, wait a minute. Like now we're <laughs> even going farther than you were acting. And I'm like, well, what the hell? Like, come yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I you never know. 
I love it's that. Good well, to have that for on sure. Your back yeah. Um. Well, Ryan, you're gonna have to keep us posted on what's what's happening with all the things because I for sure would love to hear the progress of it of it all. And of course, oh, like if you, you want to ask us questions or anything, you're more than welcome to reach out and keep a dialogue going. Yes. Because we love finding people who are doing the things that we're doing as well. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Well, you're in that Thank great you. city of New York, man. Oh my god. Like, I, I, I would I would be going a lot further if I was not in such a region but uh you know i I don't think i don't think that's true i mean i think especially with the internet now like yes maybe you would have different access to people here but it's not like the internet doesn't exist like you can totally get shit it's gonna get better it's getting better yeah yeah Yeah, i'm a people person i'd I'd rather be out there and talking to you i get that yeah sure but use what you got man like yeah yeah oh yeah no absolutely absolutely i mean i got it this far with it so exactly We're we're definitely entering a place that is not location specific for having a career in any Thank kind of art God. form. It's it's kind of great. Back when I started, there was none of that. You know, we didn't have yeah. any of that stuff, man. So we had to write. I remember printing out so many copies of screenplays because there were about twenty eight screenplays completed. You know, so and having to send those out and going to the library and having to pay for you know so much money and ten cents a copy i know (laughs) and trailing it and yeah oh my god the the manila folders the manila oh my god (laughs) oh my god ptsd on the manila folders (laughs) (laughs) i can't stand that color yeah why is it so lame it's the worst color anyway whatever who who decided that anyway Well, Ryan, thank you for joining us. This has been a fantastic oh, episode of me. How to Be a Rich, a rich bitch. bitch. Yeah. Give me and the dollars. Give me the dollars, uh, and we'll see you next time. You're so rich. Uh, pay me. Pay me.